Good morning, church. As you turn to Philippians 1, we're going to be in verses 27 through 30 today. Um, we'll, we'll feel the weight of opposition that's going on here in the text, but I wanted to start off a little light. Uh, my wife, as I was thinking of things that oppose each other, my wife helped me think of the, the lighthearted example of Apple and Android, right? <clears throat> so I'm the guy, I'm the Android guy for you Apple fans that every time you have a group message, you're looking for that blue bubble and it's green and your group messaging is, is gone, it's, it's left. Uh, the frustration, I, some of you from conversations, I can just maybe sense your inward groan when I respond to a, a group message, oh, there's the green bubble. Or I can't give it a like, I have to spell it out, like the message or whatever. So in spite of my continual giving you of green bubbles, right, there's still some of y'all holding fast to, to Apple, right, holding fast to the messaging. So that's a lighthearted example of opposing. But as we're looking here today, that, that's what we're looking at. We are, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. And we live in a world that opposes the one true God. The, that's under the influence of Satan, that, that wants to see God not glorified, but the things of God destroyed. So we live in a real opposition to this world around us, and we're called to hold fast and, and live for the glory of God, the citizens that we're called to be. So as, as Paul has been talking, we just went last week, Paul was wrestling with this, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. There's this hope to die, to be with God forever. That there's that hope, but to live, there, there's fruitful labor for him. And he goes on to say, that because I believe this and I'm going to stay here for your progress, this is for the Philippians, for your progress and joy in the faith, you may glory in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul is longing for, for the Philippians. And part of that is going to be, in verse 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And we'll see later in verse 28 that there's, in light of the opposition, you're not even frightened by opposition. So live in a manner worthy of gospel Christ. And this is knowing that the circumstances are going to be opposition around you. So let's, and that's my call for us today, right? That's the exhortation Paul gives to Philippians. That's our exhortation for us today. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, regardless of circumstances. That's our call. Let's pray. Father, praise you for this word. So, so thankful that you continue to reveal yourself to us. Uh, Father, we're, we're a needy people. We need you. We need Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, Father. And thank you so much for, for making us your children that you have redeemed us and called us yours forever. Father, we study your word today. Uh, may we apply it to our lives. And may you be glorified in our lives. Father, may we, may we continue to progress into the likeness of Jesus Christ. May it be our joy. And may we glory in Jesus Christ. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's read starting in verse 27 to, to 28 here. 
Paul goes on to say, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Okay, so Paul, starting here, he gives this exhortation. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So first, what is the gospel of Christ? You know this, but let's, let's just talk it out. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that for the wages of our sin is death, and we all fall short of the glory of God. We deserve the full wrath of God, complete destruction. But God in his goodness sent Jesus Christ to live a perfect life of obedience that none of us could ever do on our own. And Jesus bore that full wrath of God on himself, faced the consequences of a, of a death and the full wrath. But the joy is in three days later, he rose from the grave. Death could not hold him. Sin cannot contain him. He is God. And he rose victorious. And he's prepared a way that any who trust in him, who turn from their sins and submit to him as, as Lord of their life, then they can be restored in the presence of God forever. They can go from being an enemy of God, bearing destruction to a child of God and an eternal life of hope and joy in Jesus Christ. That's the good news, right? Worthy of the good news. Let your life be worthy of this gospel. So for us, we know as we've been made new in Jesus Christ, we are new creations. The old has passed, the, the new has come, and we are ambassadors for Christ. That means we're representatives of him to this world that, that we live in. We are now citizens of God of heaven, an eternal family. As, as Paul is writing here, this language he uses, let your manner of life be worthy. He's using this terminology that's like that of a citizenship, that, that you are a citizen. Live according to the citizenship that you hold in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going to talk about this later in, in Philippians chapter 3. But he's pointing their eyes, look up. For me, I'm living for your sake for your joy, and now I'm exhorting you to, to look up, look up to Christ, this is who you are, and, and live in a manner that honors him. So how does this look in our life? How do we live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ? I ask this question to you. What does that look like in your life? It could be a, a lot of different ways. But think of it, it's the day by day I think you're answering that question of whom do I serve today? Whom am I serving? Am I serving the King of kings, the Lord of lords, my God? Am I serving myself? We see that in the beginning in Adam and, Adam and Eve. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. We have that desire in us to be like God. Am I serving myself today? You know, maybe you're, you're living to serve a, a loved one. You know, a boss, maybe you're trying to climb up the ladder. But just that question for you, whom or what do you serve? And you say, we got to wrestle with this. Am I, am I serving and living for the glory of Jesus Christ? So Paul is calling them to this. This is their exhortation. 
And then we see a few things after that. He says, live this way. And he says, live this way whether I'm here or I'm not here. How they live and honor God has nothing to do whether Paul, who helped start this church, who helped proclaim the gospel to him, who has been a support to them, whether he is there or not, they're to live the gospel. And he is saying, I want to hear you. I want your testimony to go forth. Live this way and let your testimony go forth, whether I hear it or I come and see it in person. Live in such a way. And then he goes on to say, this is how I want, I want to hear that you are living. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is how he wants to see him live. So standing firm in, in one spirit. What, is, what does that mean? So this concept of a standing firm that Paul is drawing from here, he's really using some language that draws towards the mind of a Roman soldier who's standing firm. So think of it. You got your, I can hear some feedback. You got your, <clears throat> your people beside you, your brothers, your fight. You have your opponent against you who's coming. And you're called to stand firm, but not just by yourself, but you're side by side together, holding fast. And here he uses this language of, of one spirit. So some commentators vary on what does a spirit mean. So some may say it's, it's of one spirit. We all have, uh, there's all this one, oneness in us. It's a resolve, maybe like in your psyche. It's deep within. You don't have to think about it. You're just resolved that you're going to stand stand firm in one spirit. We're as one, right? It, it makes me think of, I can't help but think of Gladiator in, in the scene, in the opening scene. He's like, as one, right? Like there's this oneness that's in there together. And then there's also the side that this is the Holy Spirit. You are standing one in the Spirit of God. And so, however you see this, I think we can only stand one as one in the Spirit in our psyche because of the Holy Spirit of God, because of the work of Christ in our life. That's the oneness. That's what brings us together. That's what makes me relate with you and you with me and with one another. We're very different, but we're one in the blood of Jesus Christ. We're one in spirit. We have one Holy Spirit. So we're to stand firm together in the Holy Spirit, knowing that God is with us, and we're side by side together. And more than that, just by standing firm, there's also this language of contending, the striving side by side. And now Paul is using more of a Greek term. So Paul is hitting some different elements here. And it's, it's the concept of wrestling together. I don't know that we really have that element here in America. I couldn't think of anything. The closest thing I could, could think of, of is rugby. When you have that scroll and they put the ball in the middle and everyone's like, locking arms, like moving and pushing forward, trying to get possession of the ball. That's kind of an element of this striving together, competing in like games, right? Or maybe it's like a football, you think of like an offensive line, and they're working and laboring together. They're of one mind, right? They're calling out a play. This is how we're going to function and operate as we, as the opponents come at us. We're working together of one mind. We know how everything's going to work. So this is the language that Paul is using here. We're striving. This is a, a moving forward. There's a standing firm, but there's also a, a moving forward, a going, advancing, a laboring, a working, a striving. 
in faith, side by side for the faith of the gospel. Right, so this isn't just oneness over everything. It's not just one mind, one in the spirit. But everything you see here that Paul is wrapping up, it's for the sake of the gospel. He's constantly drawing this out. So he's pointing their eyes up into the sake, uh, for the sake of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to face opponents. And he goes on to say, do not be frightened by anything, by your opponents. Have no fear. What's what's your fear is he reminds you of the gospel, and I remind you today, Christ has borne the full wrath of God, which is more than any wrath that our opponents could ever inflict upon us. The, the greatest wrath that any opponents in this world could, could bring upon you, maybe you could see the greatest would be the of death, but we've already heard of Paul. To die is gain. It's to be with Christ forever. It says, do not be frightened by anything of your opponents. But live for, for the gospel. So I want us to, to take a moment. I want you to pause and just think, what does this look like in my life? What does this look like for the life of our church? How do we stand firm? How do we strive and how do we not be frightened by our enemies? What does it look like to face our opponents Without fear, what are some of the strategies of our opponents? You know, maybe you face, it's, you have in your life, maybe you're being mocked for, for what you believe. You know, maybe it's chastity until marriage, purity, you're mocked. You know, maybe it's, why don't you go out and party with us? You know, why, why are you going out to hang out with a small group and study the Bible? That doesn't sound fun. Right? Like, come, come, come with me. There's these subtle appeals that can happen as well, that try to draw you away from holiness, right? And there, it could be, I remember I had a, a high school coach. Uh, he was a linebacker's coach, and he was also a, a PE teacher, instructor, and he would all the time just say, praise God to the glory of God to Jesus. Oh, did I just say God in a public school? Like, I, did I say that? Glory to God. Like, he had no fear, and he had already lost a job a few times, for just praising God and, and celebrating God. And it's, maybe it's your, your job, your work, your school. Maybe they're starting to enforce things upon you that you need to live this way. Maybe it's, it's little ways of where you're denying your faith in the gospel, what you believe in obedience to God to serve the things of this world. That can happen in very subtle ways. So maybe that's what's going on in your life. But we also know there's, there's real persecution out there. That's, those are persecutions as well, but there are stronger persecutions. Uh, I think of a story of a man in South Asia who's facing his opponents. Just happened upon him. Uh, we didn't, all we knew in this city was a translator. <laughs> and this translator happened to connect us with a church. And I got to meet this pastor. And he was awesome. He had come, come to faith in Jesus Christ. He was so excited. And then he wanted to go learn and further his studies. So he went to Australia to, to go to seminary and get trained. And then he came back to South Asia and he started a school. And the whole point of starting a school, because he had to pay for himself. There, there, weren't, there wasn't a way of becoming a pastor of being supported that way. He needed to find a job. And so he started a school system. 
And there were so many in the community that were benefiting from the school system. And in the midst of that, he started a church as well. As he started proclaiming the faith and people were coming to faith, they started to gather. So this church was also meeting in, in this school building, which is also where he lived. And also in this time, he met, he met a woman. He got to spend one hour with her, and then they wrote to each other for months, and then they got married. Okay, a little bit different than what we see here. And then she came up with him, and she was laboring beside him. And then she was starting to run the school, which freed him up to be more investing into the church. He grabbed them in. He started investing in them, training them, creating a residency to go out and plant and start more churches. And in the midst of this, persecution came. Right? They knew what was going on. So they come in uh, during service. They, they beat them, hospitalize them. They're, they're breaking the wrists of the, the worship leaders so they can no longer play the instruments uh, that are going on. And he's spending days in the hospital, and he comes back. And it's happened numerous times. And then they try to close it publicly, or from a political standpoint, from the government, try to shut down this church. And it didn't happen because there were so many people in the community benefiting from the school that they all stood up and said, no, this this is so good for our community. We need to keep it. And so he lives, as far as I know to this day, he is there faithful. In, in light of persecution, they know where he lives. But when I think of someone who's, who's living, let a manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, I think as, as Paul is talking to the Philippians, they clearly have him in mind. I have this, this man in mind. He doesn't, doesn't even know me. <laughs> He's had this impact uh, on my life not frightened by anything of his opponents. <clears throat> this is how we're called, living for the glory of Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, as you live, as you live in a manner worthy of the gospel, there's two things that are going to happen here. There's going to be a sign. And one is going to be a sign of the destruction of these people, and one is going to be a sign of your salvation. So what, is this, what does this mean? What does this look like? So the way I, the first image I think of is, is Jesus Christ on the cross. And we just recently went through Mark as Jesus is, is living. And then he goes under this intense persecution, this beating, put up on a tree on a cross, nailed to it. Just blood. And then he dies in his last breath. He says, it is finished. And what do you see? You see a Roman soldier right there, the one who just murdered Jesus. What does he say? He says, surely, truly this was the son of God. He recognized the holiness of Jesus and the way that he suffered and the way that he died and the way that he faced opposition. And that's, that's our story as well. The way that we suffer, the way that we face opposition, as we do that together, as we hold fast, as we continue to honor God, our holiness is going to be made known to, to our opponents. They're going to have to question. They're going to wrestle with it. And remember, their opponents, the reason why they're opponents is because of the gospel proclamation, right? They're opponents because they are opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ. 
not because of your ethnicity or, or where you're from or the clothes you wear, uh, your kicks, whatever it may be, your whip, your car. You know, the, the opposition is there is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, another example that I, I can think of, of suffering well, I can't remember where I heard this story, but it was uh, another person who heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and he was so excited, he wanted to go share with his whole village. So he goes out, and he shares the good news uh, of Jesus Christ, and they come out, and they whip him and beat him. And he goes back, and the thought is, I must have said something wrong. They didn't get it. They didn't understand this good news. So he thought again of how he may go out and share this, and he went out and shared it again. And then again, he's beaten and whipped and left for dead. And he gathers himself again. And he's like, man, what is going on here? They need to hear this good news. And he goes back again. And as he goes back this time, he's killed. They, they take it to, to the finish of him. And then later, there would be a group that would come and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the same village. And they're cut to the heart. And they repent, and they believe. And they're telling the story of this man who had come and told him the good news of Jesus Christ. They saw how he suffered and died. And all he did was just share the good news with them. And it stuck with them. Something's going on here. There's a holiness here. So there's an element of saying, as we live and serve God, we're holy. We're separate from everything else. So it may draw them to repentance. I see my destruction that's before me. If what they say is really true, maybe it draws towards a repentance. If not, it's very clear that you hold fast to your faith. And if what they say is true, destruction is coming. It's coming for you. And then for us as believers, as we live and live to the glory of God in the midst of opposition, we see the glory of our salvation, the affirmation of our salvation. We're being persecuted, not because of anything else, but because of the good news of Jesus Christ. That must be we're one of his. Right? If Jesus Christ died and suffered, and if we saw his apostles suffering for the sake of the gospel, even given their lives, man, we should expect that as well. And we can, we can rejoice that, yes, Christ suffered. We're joining him in his sufferings for the sake of the gospel, the good news going forth. And we also have hope eternal that one day... Christ bore that for that bore the full opposition that the enemy could give, and he defeated it. All right, that's our joy, that's our hope in that. And we can live to the glory of God. And then <clears throat> Paul continues to, to go on to say of your salvation, he gives you your salvation, and he goes on to say, It's your been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here, that I still have. And this use of granting, it's as if favor has been bestowed upon you. It's a gracious gift. So church, Paul says here, God says here, we have received the gracious gift to believe in Jesus Christ. That is a gift from God. And we also receive a gracious gift of suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel. That's a gift that's given to us. Now, in America, 
a lot of times. We like our comfort, <laughs> right? We, we like our joys. Suffering is something to avoid. But here we see of Paul encouraging and pressing into. No, when, when you live in a manner that's worthy of God amongst uh, an enemy and a world that hates Jesus, there should be some opposition that's going to be coming. There should be some element of suffering for the sake of the gospel. And, and church, you may have felt that individually already. Maybe not. But know it's coming. If you're really living for the glory of God, it's going to be countercultural to anything else. And it's going to be, there's going to be some tensions that, that come. Right? It's, a, it's a gift for us to embrace. And we may face that as a whole church one day. Right? Paul says, strive together, stand firm together. It's not something we endure on our own, but we do it in, in oneness as a body of believers. And so it's going to happen. At some point, as King's Church has continued to be faithful to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, there's going to be opposition that's going to rise up. Are we going to continue to live for the glory of God together? Or are we going to serve and live for something else? It's a question we have to wrestle with. We need to wrestle with that today, right? We need to, to wrestle with it. Whom do I serve today? not in the future, because when that time comes, you may not be prepared, right? We go ahead and answer that question today. Who do you serve today in the midst of persecution? And we can be encouraged, as Paul says, in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Now, what's this conflict of Paul? We just read about a story right before Paul ends up in Philippi, right? And hopefully you remember the story in Philippi as Paul is coming, proclaiming the gospel, there's a, a young lady with an evil spirit, with divination, and pro proclaiming behind Paul, saying, these men, they're, they're servants of God the Most High. Right? Constantly going behind them. And Paul uh, has had enough, and he turns around and says, leave this woman, be gone. And so as the demon leaves the woman, the people that were kind of over this woman were making money from her divinations. And now they're their prophet was gone. They had no more prophet. So then they, they riled, roused up a crowd in, in the Romans and said, hey, these people have come. They have no, no right among us. They don't live as us Romans. And then he's beaten and, and put in prison. And then God would save them in a miraculous way. God would save the jailer. And we see the start of a church in Philippi. And now even here, earlier in chapter 1, we see that Paul is imprisoned again. He's imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, and death could be at hand as well, as we saw last week. So, church, this is an encouragement to us. It's not just us who suffer. It's not just you who suffer for the sake of, of God. There are so many who have gone before you who have honored God. You don't suffer alone. And we know that suffering does not bring the end. Uh, it has no, no hold against us. And by end, I meant death. Even if it brings death, we know we have eternal life in, in Christ. So church, our, our challenge, our exhortation to us is let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live as a citizen of God in the midst of opposition. That's what we're called to do. And how, how does this life look? How do we live this life? I think Paul is going to continue to go into that next week. What, what does that look like 
and, and living together in, in unity and, and love as well. That's a way that we live in a manner of glorifying God. So I have a few questions uh, I want to leave you with. Should be up here on the screen. Yep. So what is, what is the testimony of your life? What is the testimony of your life? And is it a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a simple question. Wrestle with that. What would your neighbors say? Your roommates? Your spouse? Your coworkers? What's your testimony? What's going before you? What's our testimony here as a church? What does our community say about us? Do they know us? Do they know what we proclaim? And then, secondly, how do we come alongside each other to stand firm and strive in the faith? It's not an individual task. So how do, how do I do this with you? How do you do this with your neighbor? How, how do we do this? How do we live for the glory of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, together? That's what we're called to. I'm going to call the band up, and then we'll pray and we'll continue worshiping God and song. You're a great and holy God, worthy to be praised all, all of our days. And Father, we praise you for the stories and the testimonies of those who have gone before us, who have lived a life that, that honors you in, in light of opposition. And Father, I pray for us as, as a church. I pray for King's Church. I would be a people who live for your glory day by day, that there would be a holiness amongst our church, that our community would see that, that our coworkers, our roommates, uh, our neighbors, they would see our classmates, they would see the distinguishment between living for the glory of God and serving you and living for yourself before the things of this world. And Father, I, I pray there may be some here today that have not trusted in you, that have not turned from a life of sin, have not submitted themselves to you. Father, I, I pray for them today that you would stir in their hearts, that your spirit would work in them, that they would submit their life to you that they would be a citizens of an eternal kingdom, the joy of knowing you all their days, the creator of this world, the depths of your love. Father, I pray that for them. Father, I pray for us, believers as well, that you've not called us to a life of comfort, to, to be in Christ. There is much joy, there is much hope, and we'll continue to return to the likeness of Christ. But there is much pruning and there is much contending uh, for the sake of the gospel. So I pray that we prove faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that our lives would be worthy of you. And Father, and that we would rejoice in that, that we would count it uh, glorious to, to suffer the sufferings of Jesus Christ because we love you and it's great news to share. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.